You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, it's my joy to extend my welcome to you as well. What a privilege and an honor it is to come together today. Who's so glad to be here today, this morning? We are so glad that you're here. Thank you so, so much. What a joy to come together as a church family. To be sharing this morning um, is my joy and my privilege as we come to the Word of God. And as John has said, it's week two of Coventry North. Come on. I love that. I wonder how long we'll keep doing that for. I was thinking about this. Imagine, it's week 48 of Coventry North. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I suppose it's like parents with babies, right? So like you kind of transition from going weeks to months, then years, then you're like, oh, I think they're about uh, 28. I'm not sure anymore. My sister was 30 for many, many years before she turned 30, thanks to my parents. Sorry for exposing your age, Lauren. I uh, thought I'm going to actually start sharing my age in months now. I thought, you know what, I Googled it this morning. How many months old am I? I am 324 months old. I'm going to start doing that, just like a baby. (laughs) That'd be great. You should figure out your months. I'm quite young, actually, to be fair. Anyway, that was a side note. I did actually Google that this morning. I thought this would be really interesting. I should have just been praying and seeking the Lord. Um, today, um, I am kicking off a two-week series, as John has said, that we are running both here in the North site and also at Central called Together. Can everyone say that? Yeah. Together. Together. We say together. And uh, we, of course, we know we have our individual lives and our pursuit of God. And it's so important that we as individuals seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. No one else can own that for us. And yet it's so important to understand that the Christian walk and the walk as followers of Jesus is not independent from one another. God commands us to function as one body together. Now this series, I'm sure John would have loved to have called this United as a Man United fan. I'd have loved to have called it You'll Never Walk Alone as a Liverpool fan. Anyone with me? Yes, Richard at the back, my Scouser brother. Wonderful. I haven't got any other football analogies, but we've gone with together. Marching on together, Leeds. Here we go. Okay, I'm not going to offer any more, <laughs> but we've gone with together. The great command of God in Jesus' summary of the entire law is to love him, to love God, and to love others as you love yourself. Sometimes we would love that to be an awe, right? To love God or love people. We were like, God, I can love you. You're really lovable and great and awesome. But people, ah. Oh. But the truth is, no matter what we've walked and what we've experienced, where we've had to walk and journey some difficult moments in relationships with others, whether that be friendships or, or otherwise, our togetherness matters to God. Our unity And coming together matters so much to God. In fact, this is so close to the heart of God. We see this in the most incredible way just before Jesus goes to the cross. In John 17, verse 20, it says this. This is Jesus praying. Of all the things he could have prayed, he prays this. My prayer is not for them alone. This is for his disciples. I pray also for the ones who will believe in me through their message. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, that's you and me. 
that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. This is significant. Jesus, the Savior, before he goes to the cross, he prays that they would be one, as, as he and the Father are one. And he says, something about our togetherness will shout to the world about the message of Jesus, that the world may believe that you have sent me. So there is power in our togetherness. And we're going to explore that today. How close is this to the heart of God? My full title for today is Together Called Into Community. Together called into community. And there's so many places we could go in scripture today, but I just want us to closely look at three powerful verses in the book of Hebrews. So turn with me in your Bibles or devices if you have one. I'll give us a moment. If not, it's going to come on the screen, but great for you to have it. And we're going to look at Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. It says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who is promised is faithful. Anyone know we serve a faithful God? And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And the first exhortation from these verses that I want us to see is that there is a call here to commit to together, to commit to doing and being, doing life together. It says this, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. To commit means to be dedicated, and to together, the secrets in the word, it means that we Commit not to just our individual pursuit and doing this alone, but we commit to one another. Running after Jesus in the good times and the bad together. And I fully believe in our individual choices, but I also trust in the sovereign will of God. Proverbs 19 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I believe many here have made a decision and a choice to come and be part of this community. But I believe there is a purpose of God that is, he's seeking to prevail in our lives. And a big part of that is our togetherness. That people in this room are going to be significant for what God has for you in the future. Does that make sense? That their encouragement, that their prophetic word, that their prayer, that their generosity would release something in your life. Turn to someone and say, I can't do this without you. Hopefully you haven't just lied to someone next to you. I believe God has placed us in community, but our job is then to commit to that. God has brought us here and is building his church, building a family, and we have an opportunity to commit to one another. It says, don't give up meeting. Don't give up. Even 2,000 years ago when this was written, it was hard. And people were giving up, but we have to decide in which group will we be. I think there's a call here to commit to church, to the gathering of saints, to sit under the word of God, to find family in the believers, to be provoked in gift and in encouragement to express yourself through service. 
But I don't believe that the fullness of this verse is referencing um, can simply be fulfilled on a Sunday morning. Earlier in Hebrews, the writer says this. It's going to come on the screen. Hebrews 3, 12 to 14. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction to the very end. So we've decided at Coventry North we're going to have a service every day. No, I'm joking. That was a joke. (laughs) But we know that what's in the author's heart here, the author of the Hebrews, we're not sure. Something gets poor, but we're not fully sure who the author of the Hebrews was. But we know God was in it. God inspired. And he believes in the vital role of the Christian community. They make unmistakably clear that we stand in daily need of encouragement and exhortation from one another. Probably their attendance at this time, um, when this was written, of worship was confined to a meeting of somebody's house early in the morning on the first day of the week. So he urges them here to repeat the warnings and promises of God's word on a daily basis so that they won't be lured away by the subtleness of sin. And there's so many ways that we can do this, but we need one another to live this out. I can't, I can't do this on my own. We can't do this on our own. Life groups are a great example and avenue for this. This isn't just a great idea that we have at church. We're trying to fulfill and walk out the mandate and will of God as we have these spaces. Maybe uh, you're already in a life group, but these are weekly groups where you can get in God's word together. Pray, share burdens, and share joys. If you're interested in life group, go to the connect point at the back. We'd love to connect with you. And uh, maybe that's your response to God today to say, God, I need this. I need this in my life. I remember how impactful this has been. And not only just regularly attending church on, the, on a Sunday and sitting before the word and, and allowing that to shape me, but life group. I remember I had a few different little life groups. And my first ever proper CLM life group was when I was 17. And the life group leaders are sat here on the front row. Mr. Jonathan Chand was my first life group leader, and Miss, Mrs. Sophie Spraggett now, then Sophie Horton, was, they were my life group leaders together. And um, gosh, so many wonderful memories from that group. Yeah, thank God for that. In fact, I have got something to share that was really bad. No, I'm just- but I thank God. I remember, I still remember a series that we did called 10 on the, on the Ten Commandments. This was years ago now. And it was so formative for me. I, I was at sixth form doing my A-levels. And then I, would, I had a part-time job at uh, what is now David Lloyd. And I'd go straight from David Lloyd. I don't know if you guys remember. I'd walk down or in my uniform and be ready. Why? I didn't want to miss out. These people were so different to me. And we weren't at similar stages of life. And yet it was beautiful. And we could encourage each other and share what was going on in our worlds. And I know for me, it was so significant, them spurring me on and being in a space where purpose and life could be called out. Why then do so many people, if we already know the value of it and the joy of it, why do so many people, so many of us, if we're honest, think that we can make it on our own? I suppose a major reason really is that we live in a society that encourages autonomy and independence. 
it's a, it's a value. This autonomous um, view is, is so highly valued in our society. We see it also in the raising of children. If they can be independent, and yet as they grow up, then parents complain, they're too independent. And yet we see in life that this is valued in our society today. We see that some, as it was in the early church, will choose to forsake the meeting together. The writer of the Hebrews makes this clear. So it has been a challenge and it will be a challenge and it will continue to be to be consistent and committed to Christ-centered community. The writer pulls no punches here and yet it's so important. But when people are maybe falling away or you see that they're not present, that can be hard. We live in a hyper-connected digital world. The idea of a local community has been lost in some ways, right? There's an Ofcom report that nearly a third of waking hours are spent by individuals watching TV and online video content, such as YouTube or TikTok. That was in 2020. Five hours and 40 minutes a day. Wow. I've gone really high so that you feel less guilty for your consumption. You were like, oh, it's fine. I'm only on four hours a day. You may have been hurt in the past in community and find it hard to move forward. It can be a real barrier. Maybe the biggest single barrier, though, to deep connectedness for most of us is simply the pace of our lives. How often do we hear or say things like, we've got to get together soon. Let's do lunch in a few weeks when things have settled down. I'm guilty of this. Things never settle down. I think I said it to Pete this week. I'm so sorry, Pete. <laughs> Hurry and rush can sometimes be an enemy of true connectedness and community. If you know that's the case for you, then maybe it's taking stock of, if I'm going to value what God's after and his heart for this family and for my church family of CLM, Lord, what would this look like for me? Is there something that I need to put down so I can make room for your people? You're here, which is amazing, and this is a start, but as we've understood, it can't just finish and start here on a Sunday. There's so many barriers and so many things that can challenge us. And yet the call is clear. Don't give up. Don't give up meeting together. Grow where God has planted you. We can sometimes be flippant about community. Oh, it doesn't really matter. We can be forgetful of what God has spoken and how important it really is in our life. We can be a bit false with people if we're real sometimes. We keep people at arm's length because we don't want them to see our world. We're happy to just be like, hey, on a Sunday, get in the car, gone. Why? Sometimes because it can be a bit of a protective mechanism because we don't want really pe people to see our world. We can be fickle sometimes if we're honest. We can be ever-changing, dipping in and out of spaces because it never really matches or fits for us. If we're looking for perfect community, we're never going to find it. I would love to say CLM Coventry North is the perfect community, but it's not going to be. Sometimes we can be frightened. We've maybe experienced something before, and we're worried what will happen if we trust people again. And yet the call is uncompromising. We need one another. 
If you're going to walk and live in all the fullness of what God has for you, we need one another. Some people need to hear this today. We need one another. This isn't my wisdom or my suggestion. This is God's word. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18 and 21. I love this. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would it be if it only had one part? Agreed. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Many people, sometimes, if we're honest, we can have an attitude of, I don't need you. I, I don't need anybody. And like I said, self-sufficiency for some rules over all other virtues. But there's a truth here that we need to catch from this scripture and what we've read in Hebrews. Pride might tell us otherwise, I don't need anyone. Insecurity might scream to us inside, no one needs me. But the truth is plain, you are part of God's body and each has a part. We can't say to one another, I don't need you. God has a part for you to play here. God has crafted and created and put something special and unique in each one of us. And the body would be less because of it if you don't bring yourself. We need you. And the writer of the Hebrews then gives this power-packed little line. It says, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We could just rush over this. But this is referencing here the day of the Lord. Something that a number of epistles, New Testament letters often reference. It's the day when Jesus will return, a day when God will bring his judgment against the evil and allow a new creation to flourish. This is the end of time. And what's the encouragement here? Is it get wrapped up in more YouTube conspiracies? Is it get more and more concerned and more and more insulated and, and more and more like I just need to keep my house as my kingdom and my place, my place and not open the doors? The encouragement is don't stop meeting. Even more as the day approaches. As we consider the times that we're in, sometimes fear can build up. Sometimes we can have all sorts of things going through our minds. We need to cling to the Lord and cling to one another. Amen? especially as we see the day approaching. We need one another to start and end well. You see, it's not just enough for us to make a decisive start in the Christian faith, but if we're going to keep running with perseverance, if we're going to not fall into false ways and false doctrine, we need our brothers and sisters. Jesus himself says in Matthew 24, verse 12, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Wow. But the one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. I want to be in that number. Anyone else? I want my fire to keep burning for the Lord. This is Jesus talking about his return. And yet he's saying lawlessness will increase. It's going to get harder. This is why it's saying even more as the day approaches. Why? Because it's going to get even harder to stand for Jesus. And yet we need one another so that we will persevere until the end. He says, most people's love will grow cold. I don't want to be showing up on a Sunday and yet my heart is far from God. 
I don't want to be living a life and saying, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. And actually, I haven't spent time with Jesus in weeks. I want to burn for Jesus right until the very end. One of the most inspiring things for me is people that are older, like have journeyed with Jesus for years and years and years. There's some here I'm not going to out you because of age. (laughs) But you inspire me. Not just that you keep coming, but when I see someone who has journeyed with Jesus and they are passionate. I'm not talking about you, Mark. It's okay. Uncle Mark, I saw this whole thing going on here. He does inspire me. He's beautiful and uh, passionate, which is fantastic. But you're not old enough yet. That's fine. But we see brothers and sisters. Thank you so much. Those that have gone ahead of me for commending our wonderful God through your lives, through your witness, through your actions. A picture comes to mind when I think of this. This is a picture of hot coals. Who loves a fire? Does anyone like to be around a fire? I love it. Wonderful. But this picture really, I believe, is is what God wants the north to look like. We've had it spoken over us, a prophetic word, that this will be like a beacon, a place of light that draws many. And yet what happens if you take a coal out of the fire and just put it on its own, very quickly it goes out. But to come back to life, you need to put it back in the fire where the fire burns brightest. Now, I'm not saying the people are the source of the fire. The fire comes from the Lord. The Lord is the one who is a consuming fire. The Lord is the one that stirs a spiritual zeal. The Lord is the one who imparts and gives faith. And yet, if we can gather around him together, encourage one another, spur one another on. When someone doesn't show up, text them. When you're wondering where someone's at, don't just talk about, "Mm, did you see that they didn't come today? Drop them a text. Care for them. Love them. May this be a space where people are drawn in. I believe our community will burn brightly for the sake of others. The Lord will use us for his glory and he will do awesome things. We will see salvations and transform lives by the power of the gospel, but we will do it together. How wonderful. It even came out in worship that God is going to use a people. You who were once not a people, now a people to be used for his glory. Don't jump from the fire. Commit to together. And the second exhortation, very simple. Keep encouraging others. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. How simple and yet how challenging this can be. Some people are just natural encouragers. Like you walk in and they're like, wow, your walk's so amazing. They're just, they're born encouragers. You're with Tony Williams for 10 seconds and I'm like, oh my goodness. If you're ever feeling heavy, go to Synergy. They'll encourage you. Some people have journey, they get this. They can step outside of themselves and their worries for a moment and see the other person enough to encourage them. That's sometimes our problem. We're, we're so focused on what's going on in our worlds and so often rightly so. You've all got loads going on in your life, yet if we can look up just enough to see someone properly, we might see someone in front of us who could do with our encouragement. A kind word. The word spur here, it means actually... In the New Testament, it's often used in a negative way. It means to provoke or irritate or exacerbate or to stir up. But in our context, really clearly, it's a positive. 
See, the context of community provokes, stirs up love and good deeds by all sorts of means, or at least it should. You should come and be encouraged and be expectant to be spurred on in your faith. But the truth is, without community, the church, love and good deeds are not provoked or stimulated. I love that it says, and let us consider. We love considering things, right? Anyone love to travel here? I love to travel. If you've raised your hands, you're, you're in for a free draw of a holiday. No, we haven't got that. It's whole budget. I love to travel. And I love considering where to go. Like, I love looking up places. love looking at Airbnbs, things that I could never afford as well. I love it. I'm all about it. Holiday pirates, anyone used that before? No, I'm not getting any commission from them. I love it. Oh, no, Amy, did you, we could go to Budapest this week for 20 pounds each. Amazing. We're not going to go, but I love to consider that. There's so many things we do love to consider, and yet we're exhorted here to consider what? How can we stir up purpose and good deeds and love in your brother and your sister? Imagine, instead of a Saturday night browsing, looking at holidays to Budapest, we're thinking, I'm at church tomorrow. I wonder how I could encourage someone or spur them on. Now, I'm not saying you need to spend hours writing things. It might start to get a little strange. But if we were to spend some time, even on the way here, considering, okay, Lord, how are you going to use me to spur someone on today? How can I bring life and speak life over another today? So often we're pre-consumed, we're, we're, we're thinking about what am I going to get today? What am I going to get out of today? Well, I hope this is sorted now because I want the... The author says, consider how you can spur one another on. You are significant here because the real work is done after. We see that there's a spurring on, a speaking. You might speak out some of your heartache and your challenge, and someone can spur you on with their prayer. They can spur you on with your encouragement. I've considered some ways in preparation for this that we do spur one another on to love and good deeds. Generosity is one of these ways. Generosity has blown me away in my life as a follower of Jesus. When Noemi and I were about to get married, I was blown away by the generosity of the church. Remember, we went last year to the AOG conference and we were stood worshiping next to a couple. And we'd just spoken to them really briefly. And the guy at the end, we were leaving, and it was, it was really nice. They were a lovely, lovely couple. And at the end, he shakes my hand and he puts an envelope in my hand. And he said, just something to encourage you and your wife on your journey. And in the envelope was 100 pounds. A man I'd never met before. And he, and, he, and he said it with tears in his eyes. I didn't see him through the, surface, through the service getting 100 quid out of his pocket, putting it in an envelope. He'd come prepared. He'd considered before the service, I'm going to bless someone today. And I'll never forget that. I'll never forget it. So beautiful because he saw something in us. He saw a young couple and he said, I want to spur them on. I'm going to encourage them today. Generosity can spur someone on. Maybe your seed of faith can flourish something in someone's life. Maybe you see someone and you go, I'm going to get behind that. Not just in my prayer, but in my giving. Worshipping. You're worshipping. Your authentic worship can stir worship in another. Has anyone else experienced that before? 
Sometimes you can just be a little kind of off in worship. You're just thinking, and yet you see someone going for it, and you go, come on, Luke, what's going on? It can provoke something in you to fix your eyes on Jesus again. I love hearing the voices of others. So powerful. One of the, 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 the joys of the seat where I sit is I get to know people's stories. But I tell you what, if, if you saw what some people are journeying right now, and then you saw the way that you, they worshipped, my goodness, it blows you away. It does. It spurs you on in the midst of someone's cancer, in the midst of their trial, and they're worshipping, singing of the glory of God. That spurs me on. In the midst of their heartbreak and their sadness and their worry or their anxiety and they've showed up this Sunday to worship Jesus, that spurs me on. You're showing up, you're worshiping, your generosity, you're praying, you're serving. Our kids team in this very moment, doing that with our precious little ones, spurring them on in their faith. How wonderful. Our life group leaders every week, worship team facilitating our time with the Lord and the place of encounter. Wow. Thank God for each one of you. So many things that we could go through. Consider, how can we spur one another on? One thing that is so significant for community, and it talked about it in Hebrews 3 more than it does in Hebrews 10, is that community is so often an antidote or a way that we walk in holiness. It can be a way that God has given us to walk away and say no to sinful things. And confession is a word that is, is kind of old-fashioned now, but it's significant and it's powerful. And the truth is, it's not possible or necessary to go deeper with everyone we see for a brief encounter. But we need to know what it feels like to be open and real and truthful to those that we know. Christian brothers and sisters that are going to spur us on. And I encourage you, Maybe you're fighting something and you think, I'm just going to do this with the Lord. Don't live in that lie. Draw a brother or sister in. James 5 tells us that if we confess our sins, the prayers of the righteous are powerful and the Lord will heal us. We spur one another on in our rejoicing and in our mourning with one another. Command of Scripture. We Spur one another on in our witnessing, sharing our story. I love hearing stories. Maybe over a cup of tea or a coffee today, say, tell me your story. What's your story of faith? Tell me. We've journeyed with people for years and we have no idea. You don't need a mic in your hand to witness of the glory of Jesus Christ. Share your story. Words of encouragement. It says really plainly, encourage one another. If you've got nothing nice to say, maybe don't say it. It's fine. Just bear the awkward silence. John reminded me of one this week. Say what you mean, but don't say it mean. I like that one. That's good. We do need to be truthful, and it's good to share the truth in love. But don't forget the in love part. Let's come and be ready to encourage. Amen? Let this be a place where people come and feel lifted and blessed and encouraged. May someone have more strength, may they have more faith, may they have more resource, more courage, more boldness, more wisdom because of you. And you might think, well, I don't have that in me. 
Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got the living God in you. The Holy Spirit wants to work through you. Just as much as he wants to minister through the people that are here, he wants to minister through you today. Some of us don't believe me, but that is truth. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And a question I want to ask as I draw this to a close, what am I stirring in others? What are you stirring in others? We might be stirring nothing at all because we don't have enough proximity to even do so. We could be stirring negative things, maybe bitterness. In our gossip, we could be stirring rumors or lies. We could be mockers. And yet we're called, I don't say this in condemnation, we can all say something and we're like, oh no, why did I say that? But we're called to stir purpose and good deeds because community is packed full of power and purpose. And you're part of that. The final point that I want to make as I draw to a close today is where the writer of the Hebrews starts in our passage in verse 10. It says, hold on to your hope in Jesus. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Embrace your hope in Jesus. Hold fast to him. Be a hope-filled person, hope in God because God has made promises to you and he is faithful to the end. Unity and togetherness is a work of the Holy Spirit. It is God who works in us and through us to bring life to others. There has been times in my life where getting to church has been a huge struggle. I remember after COVID, I suffered massively from social anxiety like many, many other people. And I had to be the one saying hello to people. And yet, in the secret place before the Lord, I found strength in God. It was God that empowered me to get up and show up. God that empowered me to keep committing. There's been times in my life where I've been in a place that feels dark and like I'm in despair or I know that I've, I've done this this week and it's like, God, I don't, I, I, I don't even, I shouldn't go today. There's no point in me going, look at this. Look at this week, even more so to get to church. By the grace of God, is work in my life. He has been my strength and my peace. God will fuel your going. He will fuel your persevering and your staying and your praying and your remaining. This is our God. Don't try and do it on your own. In this series of Together, don't think that it's just all about us. It's about Him. But also if we think it's just about Him and not one another, we've missed what He said. This is our God. Hold on to Jesus. Remember who He is. Let yourself be satisfied in him so you can pour out to others. Let him lead you. Let him love you. Let him serve you so that you can do the very same for others. Does that make sense? This is what we need. Here's what makes this community incredible. Jesus, the living God. A community centered on him, on his power and his presence. Remember that you, that we are the blood-bought church of Jesus. A new supernatural family. And I love this because whether you're single here today, you're married, old, young, rich, poor, every ethnicity, we find brothers and sisters here. We find family here. And if you're here today and you feel desperately lonely, the promise of God is that he puts the lonely in families. That you're going to find family here. I believe it. 
And here, if you're a couple here, let's make sure we're looking out for people. If you're a family unit, know that we're a family unit. Don't neglect others from what you've got to bring. There's so much in you. The truth of Scripture to understand is that marriage is temporary. Parenting is temporary. But the church, the new family, that is eternal. That is eternal and will go beyond the grave. And each has their part. What is Jesus saying into this? We're called into community for our sake, for the sake of others, and for the glory of God. So the question is, what will our response be? The final question today is, who has the final say? I can't say that line without thinking of the song. (laughs) Who has the final say? Come on. Okay, we we won't get into it. Who has the final say (laughs) in our committing to community, in our remaining, in our persevering, in the how, what, and when of community? Who has the final decision, us or the Lord? Because sometimes we're really not going to feel like it. Sometimes we'll want to be in that camp that wants to get into the habit of giving up meeting together. We want to close our doors, shut out others because we've had enough. We don't want to let others in. And yet, if we allow the Lord to speak into our situations today, I believe we'll see great life. We'll see great fruitfulness. I'm going to invite the band up as I draw to a close, Daryl. To help us focus on ourselves a little less in this moment and to focus more on Jesus. We're going to come in remembrance of his great love and mercy. And we're going to take communion as a response today. What a fitting way to celebrate our togetherness than to go, Jesus, your blood shed and your body broken has made it possible. That you've made a supernatural family here today. And so we're going to break bread together. And we have to consider an individual response. I don't want to lose this because for some of us, there's going to be a response that we need to make individually. That might mean that we go, right, I I need to invite someone into my life afresh. I might need to get involved in a life group. Maybe it's texting someone because you know that forgiveness is needed to be extended. And yet, I want us to take community seriously and our togetherness to consider it before the Lord. And so what we're going to do is there's going to be a table open here at the front, a table open at the back, and we'll break bread together. And what I would say to you is if you're here with a husband or wife, um, please grab someone else and take them with you. I don't want anyone having communion on their own today. Is that okay? Yeah? We can make that happen. If you're here and a follower of Jesus, then You can come forward and break the bread in a moment after I've prayed. Um, If you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, that's okay too. You can either come or stay in your seats, but don't go alone. Don't stay alone. Even if people are just praying together, go and be with them. Does that make sense? Yeah? On this journey of faith, uh, we don't want anyone to go alone. I'm going to read some verses that preceded the verse that I've just preached from, the verses um, as we come to a close. It says this, therefore, brothers and sisters, 
since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Can I invite us to stand today if we're able to? After I've prayed, feel free to move out of your seats and uh, make sure you grab someone. Um, If you're here on your own today, make sure you find someone that you can break bread with. And all I'd ask is that you can take of the bread, take of the cup, and then take a moment. Maybe you can find a space and just pray some simple prayers together before you take of the bread and of the juice. There's For any that are gluten-free, there's also some gluten-free bread at the back. Allow me to pray. Jesus, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you, God, that your word speaks today. Jesus, you are speaking today through your living and active word. And God, we present ourselves again to you today. Jesus, we want to be a community that shines for you. Lord, we want our lives to burn brightly for your honor and for your glory. And so, Holy Spirit, whatever our response needs to be today, God, we rely on you. Jesus, we look to you, the one who gave everything for us. We come and we bless you today. God, I pray where we need strength to release forgiveness. God, would you do it? Lord, where where a fresh sense of, of faith that we might get involved once again, maybe after hurt. Jesus, would you release faith again? And Lord, where we need love stirred once again in our hearts, would you come and do what only you can? So be welcome here in our midst, Jesus, we pray. Amen.